0: A lot of that enterprise level acumen has actually come down market, and we just need to tap into it as a, as brand owners and founders. Um, you know, what does that really mean? Well, you need to start focusing on product innovation. That's always number one. I think it's crucial now for business owners to to take take stock
1: in how they're managing their business, right, and and how they're going to be able to adjust, right, and
2: and pivot in this fast moving environment that, that we're in today. When m is your core strategy, as opposed to managing the brands that you're acquiring or managing the businesses that you acquire, it ends up being something that is kind of super financial rather than operational, and where you end up losing kind of the North Star of how to create value.
3: So on today's episode, you're going to learn about how to raise and secure capital in a downturn. It's a recording from my recently concluded Commerce Excel Conference, which was um, in September. So it's a great episode you do not want to miss. So do stay tuned.
4: Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade.
3: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2x e commerce podcast, the show dedicated to e commerce growth, 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 growth. What can I say? It's about growth, right? So um on this episode you're about to listen to, it's um it's a very special one. It's it's one hosted by by my co-founder at and Capital Partners, Ayodisu. Um and he spoke with some um, some heavyweights, you know, some heavyweights who were speaking to the topic um around how to raise and secure capital as an e-commerce operator in a downturn. Now in 2022, 2023, what does it look like? He we he had on the panel Yuan um, Brashi, who's CEO of Bopos, Leonardo Felisberto, who's the Global head of business development at Seller Funding, and Chris Shipferling, who's a managing partner and co-founder at Global Wired Investor. Um, what can I say? It was it was, uh, there, was there was a lot of value. Um, there was um, the lots of insights on debt versus equity, and and when the kind of you know debt um, you know options you have as um, as an operator um, at various levels. You know whether it's um, you know um, whether there's revenue you know based um finance you know whether it's um invoice financing for for your supply chain um there are several acquisition finance s- several several options we they discussed on this panel i thoroughly enjoyed it you will enjoy it i, I assure you if um, you're an operator um and you're trying to navigate the murky work waters of, of finance now in 2022 slash 23 great episode you don't want to miss um if i have to say that myself um enjoy this episode i, sh- I shall catch you tomorrow Cheers. The 2x e commerce podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get going faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e commerce brands like Brooklyn, Inn, None, and Chobies. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit Clavio.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is com forward slash 2x. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the final day of our action-packed Commerce Excel Conference. The Most awaited direct-to-consumer e-commerce event of the year. It's an absolute pleasure to have you around and see people tuning in from all around the world. Whether you're new to Black Friday Cyber Monday or looking for new strategies to make this quarter four your strongest yet, this second edition of Commerce Excel will give you everything you need to navigate what is a difficult retail environment with high inflation and low customer or consumer confidence. While many of the strategies and tactics used last year remain evergreen, there are new layers you need to add to your growth stack to avoid unforced errors and succeed this Q4. The Commerce Excel team and our expert panelists are right here with you to guide you to a strong final quarter and in crafting your winning 2023 strategy. I'm Kune Campbell. I'm the host of the 2X e-commerce podcast and co-founder of Octillion Capital Partners. I'm proud to bring you Commerce Excel. We are proudly sponsored by Rich Panel, our Platinum Partners. This event also wouldn't be possible without Partner Heroes and Customer Labs, our Gold Partners, SEM Roche, VideoWise, and Ferra, our Copper Partners. Now, here's a recap of yesterday. Yesterday, we heard from best-in-class experts and got access to the exclusive playbooks that they're using. We started out with a keynote from Howard Paint, an iconic pioneer, billionaire brand builder, serial entrepreneur, and venture capitalist. Howard is the CEO and founder of Logic e-cigarettes, Stealth Fitness, and Think Billions, and co-founder of Mighty Yum, a visionary and transformational consumer packaged goods brand. Howard took you through his exact journey and how he went from being a $600,000 in debt to mighty commerce success, his brilliant strategy of taking his brand from idea to success through testing and feedback, and his inspired sales strategy that saw him hitting the road and proving his product value from morning to evening, every day, and scaling a successful brand to a huge acquisition. The energy Howard brought to the room was huge. He got a mighty presence and fired us up with a mindset that we need to take on what will be a challenging quarter for with an uncertain economic environment. If you were there for the final expert panel on stage one, ways consumer brands can continue to deliver value on misinflation with Trevor Kraut, Dean McElwee, and GDJ Dorai, you got invaluable insights into how some of the biggest brand names and holistic commerce thinkers strategically position their brands for the upside where others only experience downside failures. This was brand saving, if I have to say so, and brand making stuff, all for free from our experts. You learn how the first principles of inventory buying, why endless aisles are anything but endless aisles, when it comes to consumer psychology, due to limited attention spans, and what you can do to bring forward your cash flows now, as well as shift your long tail inventory items to revive dead inventory. If you were here yesterday on stage two, with Dan McGore, you got insights directly into the kind of playbooks he implements for the best in class brands. Insights worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue. He, along with Chloe Thomas, Ben Parr, Ben Jen Fuc- and Brian Walker and Vishnu Vakalaya showed you how just how detailed your marketing needs to be and spelled out exactly how you can implement it for your brand. Attendees learned not only how to collect customer data, but most importantly, how to activate customer data and turn it into e commerce success. We all know that customer data is important, but it is sometimes, sometimes gets lost on us. That is literally a digital map of your consumer psychology created through their actions. So when that sinks in, you really become inspired to tap into this powerful resource. Our experts showed us how you can do that, but also set up the guardrails you need to avoid big data and personalization disasters by taking a strategic approach to customer data activation. It's insights like this that brands pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to hear. And there, right here, you got it on Commerce Excel for free. We started out with two action-packed Q4 growth strategy roundtables that covered capital raising, um, you know, category creation, and return optimization, and more. We learned strategies and tactics specific to current economic situation. We find ourselves in coming into the biggest shopping period of the year in our expert panels, how to approach social advertising in a downward economy, and how consumer brands can continue to deliver value amongst rising inflation. And that's only the half of it we had no less than nine insight-packed keynotes from people like Jason Wong from Door Lashes, who showed us your, your inventory best practices or, you know, inventory best practices, how to avoid stockouts. Moshe Sarah from Pareto um, Solutions showed you the anatomy of winning video ads. Kurt Elster from, um, from EtherCycle taught you the first principles of split testing. And Rosie Bailey supplied you with five proven emerging e-commerce technologies to engage Gen Z. Not to mention the compelling talks from Jess Chan, Mm -hmm. Mercer Smith, Amit RG, Claudio Chilba, and Mia Bobak. This is stuff I love to see. The the best minds in the business coming together and outlining their innovation for growth um, and and playbooks. So what's to come today? Today, you expect keynotes from none other than Steve Dinelli, who shows you how to raise capital for your direct-to-consumer brand. Dan McGore, who shows you how to personalize your marketing without being creepy. Savannah Sanchez, otherwise known as Social Savannah, who shows you her media buying playbook. You'd also catch Will Lawrenson, who shows you how to ditch the discounts and convert high-value customers, something very relevant for brands that don't discount heavily or at all during major shopping events like Black Friday Cyber Monday. Monday. Not to mention Chloe Thomas, Kristen Vayakala, and Ali Rose Van Ober. Our keynotes are closed out by Derek Haney of an e commerce tech stack genius who shows you the future of e commerce technology and what it means for merchants. You'd hear from my co founder at Octillion, and his partners and his panel, sorry, of experts on how to raise and secure money or capital, rather, in a downturn. You'd also Catch a CMO and marketing leaders panel to learn what you can do in an environment of stratospheric highly high inflation, low consumer confidence and spiraling customer acquisition cost. So just get ready, get set. As I said, Commerce Excel isn't like any other conference in the D2C space. Neither is it any Black Friday Cyber Monday conference. It occupies a unique place in this market because it's not a marketing conference. It is not an operations conference. It is not a supply chain conference. It is just one of those things, but all of them. It's not just one, it's just all. We've structured Commerce Excel this way, very intentionally. That's because e-commerce growth is collaborative. It's cross-functional. And that's why Commerce Excel brings together the best minds in the industry who are not only niche experts, but who are also able to see e-commerce for what it really is a cross-functional growth stack ripe for creating symbiotic relationships that help brands deliver outsized growth. And don't they do it so well, guys? Yesterday was just amazing. We're set for another action-packed day today. But if you want more insights like this, then there's more you might want to know, something you'll be able to use as your go-to evergreen marketing playbook packed with powerful insights like those that you get here at Commerce Excel, it's in a paperback form, and we'll reveal later on. That's right, book guys. We'll catch you shortly. I'll be keynoting, and we'll get into the panels for the day. Thank you. So, right, guys, I hinted about a book um, prior in my in the last session I, I came on, and to be honest, that's right. It's there's a book. I'm an author, and I only say it will be the best and most comprehensive cross-functional e-commerce growth stack book you will find in the market. Uh, The book absolutely embeds into you the core first principles and ways of thinking that you need to replicate the success of our e-commerce panelists here at Commerce Excel today. It takes you on a journey from the first principles and ways of thinking inspired by the greatest minds of our time, Elon Musk, and gives you the playbook you need to replicate, the kind of huge success achieved by first-principle thinkers in your world, the e-commerce world. I Break what it means to be brand-driven, show you exact pieces of the growth stack that you need to tap into to create a brand that consumers recognize, remember, love, and connect with. It's inspired by thought leaders like Fred Hart from Interact, Master brand builder in the consumer brand package goods space, you'll be listening to in a few, um, in an hour, I think. You'd learn what it means to be a cha- to be channel agnostic, how you can emulate strategies and tactics implemented by not only the biggest brands in the business, but some of the smallest, most innovative, and fastest growing brands that you see delivering huge acceleration in demand by building growth. That's absolutely founded on the core of first principles. I lay it all out in the book. You learn how a little-known chocolate brand that integrated a superb go-to-market strategy founded on customer data and deep insights of not only their customers, but also their brand and the space it occupies in the market. You learn how the values that drive this lesser-known brand finds their way into absolutely every aspect of their growth stack, right down to their product, innovative ways, and that's huge buzz amongst you know, their target customers. E-commerce success leaves cues, and I lay them out for you in my book, The E-commerce Growth Strategy, a brand-driven approach to attract customers build community, and retain customers. It shows you the power of a story and why establishing and communicating your core values is absolutely necessary in today's e-commerce environment and how it taps into human psychology to create a long-lasting bond. You learn how a culture of experimentation and continuous improvement feeds back into everything you do from your data team to your customer support team and how the best-in-class brands set themselves up to innovate. In the book, I take you from the very first recorded instance of written consumer complaints in 1750 when a dissatisfied customer left a clay tablet inscribed with the dissatisfaction to modern marketing technology stacks, data science, and how you can use it to intelligently grow your e-commerce stack. It covers everything from how to think, approach, e-commerce growth, collaborative and cross-functional growth integration, customer behavior, which I think is fundamental, um, customer data, customer acquisition, audience and community building, customer retention, lifecycle marketing, brand and culture for growth, search engine marketing, paid social, channel marketing, and more. The book is a distillation of my many years of the podcast since 2014, consulting and hands-on e-commerce growth hacking experience. It's been something I've poured my heart and soul into so that you can take everything I've learned, not only from experts like like we have from today, um, but also from had one experience of my own in the e-commerce trenches. It's a holistic look at how to create an evergreen growth environment by honoring the cross-functional e-commerce growth stack, first principles within, and ways of thinking you need to tie it all together and deliver for your customers. We have examples from Gymshark, best-in-class influencer marketing and event strategy, Hero and their inspiring channel marketing strategy, the masters of influence and persuasion, and how their first principles like authority and reciprocity translate into specific elements of your cross-functional growth stack. And in one of my favorite chapters, we take a walk through history. I draw parallels between hunter-gatherers like the Hasda tribe of Tanzania and e-commerce strategies of today, as well as modern agrarian economies and what you can learn from them to achieve revenue growth for your e-commerce brand. It's a book that you are not—you're not going to want to miss—and that—and those that get their hands on it first will have an unfair advantage throughout Q4 and beyond, as a result from stacking the layers of cross-functional growth stack together to continue to compound over time. I am, to say the very least, incredibly excited to see e-commerce brands of the future that will be built based on the principles in this book. So enough of about the book, how do I get it? Basically, um, if you're in America, if you're in the States or North America, Head over to Barnes & Nobles. You can pre-order it now. It's only about $35. And Kogan Page, who are the publishers, you can go straight to their website, if you're in the UK, to get it. Just search for e-commerce growth strategy. It's a brand-driven approach to attract shoppers, build communities, and retain customers right now. If you already, if you aren't already pumped, a premium pass holder, you'd want to get access to Exclusive downloads from my entire e commerce, um, you know, commerce Excel conference, as well as on demand access to all recordings until the end of the year. You need to upgrade your ticket to a premium um, to to, to get all the juicy, you know, insights and growth strategies like, you know, Dan McGoar segment optimized, you know, customer journey for vegans of all stripes and, you know, customer journey stages and more. You can upgrade by going to the commerce.excel.com and clicking get your free pass, and then you you, you just um, get the upsell on there. Um, I'm just super, super excited. Now I'm going to hand over the mantle to my co-founder at Octillion Capital Partners, Ayo who would we'll be talking about, who would be moderating a panel on how to raise capital as an e-commerce brand. Over to you, I.
5: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us at our Commerce uh, Excel conference, most awaited D2C event of the year. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to, to have you around and see people tuning in from all over the world. Um, whether you're new to Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or looking for new strategies to make this Q4 your strongest yet, this first panel is going to show you everything you need to do to raise capital in a downturn. You're going to hear from um, the best in class experts with experience in e commerce, and M.A., Private equity, finance, and discover exactly what today's environment looks like, and what you need to do to navigate it, including tools and resources, as well as just ways of really thinking. Um, my name's Ayo. I'm Casey's co-founder, as he's alluded to earlier, and I'll be moderator for, t- uh, for today's session. I'm one half of Octillion. Um, Octillion is a CPG startup that's fighting the obesity and toxic skincare epidemic. Octillion was founded on the premise that. The foods that we put into our bodies and the products that we apply on our bodies should be clean, natural, inclusive, and as sustainable as possible. And through MA, we're looking to build a, a, a wonderful, culture defining consumer brand platform company. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, I'm very excited to, to, to host this session or to moderate the session. We have an all star lineup of panelists who will be providing some insights. Um, posing some guidance on such important topics in the current climate. Um, And from our point of view, it's in moments of deep uncertainty that we see the most opportunity. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I'm going to briefly touch upon the structure of today's session. We're going to divide it into three parts. The first, we'll we'll just get to know our panelists, you know, just see what makes them tick, get to know their businesses. In the second part of the session, we're going to really look at the macro factors or how the macro factors are feeding into um, the micro factors regarding e-commerce. We'll get unique perspectives and insight from our panelists. And the third session or the third part of the session, we're going to do what economists have tried to do for decades, which is to try to predict the future and give our two cents um, as to what we think the future holds. So, without further ado, I would I would like to open up the floor to our panelists to introduce themselves. So we can start with Juan, please.
2: Sure. Um, Great to be here with uh, you guys. Um, Yeah, I mean, we I founded the Bupos back in 2020 uh, because I learned that there were many people that were looking to acquire a business and they didn't have the right funding. So that's in a nutshell what we provide. We provide acquisition financing. So for all these. Um, aggregators, but also not aggregators, smaller uh, buyers that want to build a, a, a small portfolio or even acquire one brand, uh, one Amazon brand or one e-commerce brand or even SaaS businesses, we're there to support them. We can fund up to 80% of an acquisition. Um, we work uh, really quickly and we're never a bottleneck in, uh, in uh, m and financing uh, in, the, in the M&A process. So we can provide a template in under 48 hours. And we're happy to partner with brokers that are that specialize in online businesses uh, by pre-approving their opportunities. So,
5: fantastic! Thank you so much for that, Juan. Um, Chris, please go for it.
0: Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm. Uh, I got two sides of the aisle here. One is uh, Global Wired Advisors, we're a lower middle market investment bank focused on digital consumer product companies. Um, we do a lot of uh, obviously sell side transactions with M A that's contracted. Uh, a bit over the past uh, six months, um, we also have a, a focus on on advisory as well, and uh, and also helping with some buy side um, work. Uh, on the other side of the aisle, we actually have a joint venture. Um, one of the entities is here with us, uh, Stellar's Funding, um, and uh, it's called South Call. We uh, we do minority investments, you know, anywhere between basically less than fifty percent. Uh, into e-commerce-first, digital-first uh, digital, digital first consumer product companies um, that have ha- a high growth rate, but they're in need of uh, really two things, capital and strategic resources. Um, so we're a growth fund that just doesn't sit on a board. We're, we're also hands and feet. We put a lot of sweat equity as well as injecting uh, real capital into the company. So
5: Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Um, and Leonardo, if, can I call you Leo? Is that okay?
1: Uh, yeah, we have of the most mouthful. No
5: Fantastic. Please go for it.
1: Yeah, thank you. So, appreciate you guys for having me on. Uh, my name is Leo Fulzberto. Um, I head up business development for Sellers Funding, which is a digital financial platform for e commerce. So, simply put, um, we developed a platform that has um, a financial uh, suite of uh, products um, to support fast growing D2C and CPG brands. Um, so, we do everything from you know customized, tailored uh, working capital solutions on the debt side. Um, to you know, providing digital wallet, uh, cross-border global payment um, uh, functionality uh, and solutions for uh, e-commerce businesses uh, trading worldwide.
5: Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic! Really, really interesting um, set of businesses here, and I think our panelists for. Are- our guests are going to really enjoy the session. So please, guys, if you have any questions, please put them into the comment section. And yeah, feel free to get in touch with our um, panelists should you want um, or need some, let's say some, some of their services. So guys, um, obviously we're all in e-commerce as 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 we've seen um, over the past what two, three years. COVID has really accelerated um, the growth of e-comm, but e com is going through a much deeper change it's almost like an iOS update in which we're transitioning from ECOM 1.0 to ECOM 2.0, but with a changing environment that's seeing obviously suppressed uh, customer demand, higher interest rates, inflation's impact on discretionary spending. Um, and hence, you have certain niches doing well, at least from what we're seeing, like things like food and beverage, they seem to be doing well, skincare seems to be doing well, but things like home goods, home services, um, they seem to be suffering. And also we're seeing just the bolt from, from equity investors, um, VCs, they're leaving um, um, CPG land and going on to other places. Um, so I think my first question for all of you is just, how do you see Ecom 2.0 or like, well, the new phase of eco- e- 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 e-commerce shaping up? What do you think brands need to do to, to, to give themselves a good chance of success? Guys, and please, anyone can
0: go. I'll I'll take a stab at it first. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try and be succinct, and we can all have a good discussion. Um, yeah, we're definitely going into to some new to some new unchartered land. I would say with brand owners, and you know, look, I think uh, a lot of owners and founders um, rode they rode a wave, right? So they were able to kind of ride that COVID bump um, and didn't really have to think much about um, the hard part of the business, which is not only just growth, but how do I become, as Pinocchio says, a real boy, right? So how do I actually become a real brand? Um, and there's traditional CPG tenants that have existed for decades, right? I mean, we, we all turn to the Unilevers and p gs of the world, etc., and look how they've grown brands, and we see them as benchmarks. But you know, a lot of that enterprise-level acumen has actually come down market, and we just need to tap into it as, a, as brand owners and founders. Um, you know, what does that really mean? Well, you need to start focusing on product innovation. That's always number one. You know, my, I came from CPG, that was my world for the past almost two decades prior to joining this investment bank. And a mentor once told me or very early on when I started working for, a, I worked in baby products, that product is king and it's true. You focus on your product and you'll always win. And then you start really kind of putting makeup and that's called the brand. You build the community and get people raving fans. So, I mean, these are, these are small little bullet points that I'm making, but the reality is there's a ton of effort that needs to go into it. And, you know, to really prop up what, uh, what, what the, both of these guys are about to say, um, it's okay to take on debt to, to fund growth. I'll say it out loud.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. Um, but by the way, product innovation is key. Like I think if you look at any, any major company, for example, Apple, Every single year, you can see how they're rolling out products, and it's no surprise that they just keep on growing. So, yeah, that's my two cents. But yeah, please, guys, um, Leo, Leo.
2: Yeah, no, I was going to add on that that uh, that was exciting about these times. Uh, and in the last maybe couple of years is that uh, e-commerce is now on the spotlight. Right? This uh, this was something that's been quietly growing for the past maybe twenty years, kind of uh, slowly. Gaining market share and share of wallet in, in consumer uh, spend, uh, but then COVID came, and then all of a sudden, you know, all the lights were kind of focused on, on e-commerce, and that's that's pretty good actually, because uh, it's there's a big opportunity for um, professionalizing in this the industry, um, having a lot of uh, newcomers uh, offering uh, not only specific e-commerce offerings, but uh, kind of all the ecosystem around it. Uh, we have tools uh, for analyzing uh, consumer behavior. We have tools for charging customers in an easy and convenient way, or even returning products. Obviously, financing products like the ones that we're we're offering. So I guess that we live in exciting times. Maybe the boom that we saw like a couple of years ago is not there anymore. But um, but I think that the ecosystem has changed completely, and uh, and we're seeing a lot of new players out there that are willing to invest, that uh, have can, kind of more like a, a long-run type of approach. Uh, so I guess that, yes, we're living in exciting times now.
5: Fantastic. Leo, yeah, please. I mean,
2: I, I agree with, with everything that was just
1: said, um, you know, by Chris and Juan. What I would add is I think the industry is definitely being stress-tested in a way that it hasn't been before, right? You think of just from a macro standpoint, last time, you know, we were headed towards recession, right? You saw consumer spending kind of slow down. That was during the crisis in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and, and you know you can't even begin to compare e commerce during that period, you know, to e commerce nowadays, right? Um, so I think with that, we wrote a massive tailwind, right, for the pandemic, um, and now we're seeing a reversion to me, right? Federal has kind of know, swung back in the opposite direction, I'd even say that, you know, we're below the meat a little bit. Um, so I think all that means more than anything else in this kind of new world, new environment that we live in, um, founders are gonna be put to the test, right? And everything that Chris had just mentioned, right? So focusing on product development, right? As one said, just how are you gonna efficiently operate your business? These things, you know, are all things that they're gonna have to keep top of mind uh, to be able to succeed in this environment. So I think it's crucial now for business owners to to take, take stock, in how they're managing their business, right? And and how they're going to be able to adjust, right? And, and pivot in this fast-moving environment that, that we're in today.
5: Fantastic, fantastic point, guys. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm going to go back to a point in which Chris just mentioned, and I wrote it down in, in which you said, it's not a bad thing to take on debt. Um, so obviously we have some debt providers here. So yeah. I would love to, to, or I think our audience would love to know, what should I know if I'm looking to take on debt for my business, whether that be one to fund an acquisition or two, just to grow my business, what, what should they know if they're coming to sellers or if they're coming to bopos, for example,
0: well, I'll, I'll take a stab, you yeah, know, sure. first, you know um, not being, not being a lender and looking at it from, from really a brand owner's perspective. You know, I think first and foremost, come with a business plan. Seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't, do not take on debt if you're just looking to kind of just throw it against the wall and see where the spaghetti just lands. Right, that's the worst thing you can do. If you're already kind of crawling in a hole for any reason, um, don't take on debt. You want to take on debt when you've got a really great game plan. You know, um, guys like Bupos and, and and Sellers Funding, they 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 want they want those business plans because they, they aren't going to underwrite without confidence. (laughs) And so that's number one. And again, you know, I know we're kind of hitting with some broad strokes. And if we actually got into detail, all three of us or all four of us, it would turn into a a professorial, you know, type of college course. But, you know, business plan being number one and having confidence and knowing where that cash is going. Most cash in CPG goes towards inventory. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, you're growing so quickly. Um, And then the other side just goes to marketing efforts. But yeah, know your business and develop a plan.
3: Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen the brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with a subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. Go to gorgeous.com, that's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce.
1: Yeah, that's that's spot on, Chris. I'll I'll just add to that. I think one of the biggest yellow or even red flags that we get, um, you know, when we're initially looking at a deal, um, one of the first questions we ask is, how much funding are you looking for, right? Um, The worst answer you could possibly give is as much as I can get, right? (laughs) Because that just immediately tells us that you have no plan in place, right? Um, And so that's not what we're looking to see. So when we see founders say, well, here's here's my budget, here's my plan, here's exactly what this money is gonna be used for, right? That gives us a much higher degree of confidence that this founder knows what they're doing. And even though, you know, there may be a shift in demand, a slowdown in sales, right? If there is a very meticulous, detailed outline plan as to how they're going to get to where they want to be and what those funds are being used for, um, you know, they have a much higher chance of success, um, I think, in, in uh, getting capital. So again, especially in this environment where, I feel like on a daily basis, liquidity is drying up more and more,
2: right? Definitely. And um, if I uh, that's totally true. Uh, but if I may add on that... Um You know, we started underwriting the buyers themselves, the the people who are going to buy the company rather than the company itself, because we, I mean, as I said before, there's a lot of newcomers to this space, which is very exciting, but uh, we have a lot of people that don't have e-commerce experience, right? So maybe they come from finance backgrounds or consulting background, but, you know, e-commerce is is tough. You have to buy inventory, you have to make sure that you market your your, uh, goods appropriately, There's uh, there's something to it. Um, So whenever a buyer comes and they don't have the skills or the ability, we won't just reject them straight away, but we will ask them to um, put a team in place and make sure that you have the skills and abilities to manage the business to to, to be successful. And that's uh, something that's also super important. You have the ability, you have the time, you have the skills. Uh, This is not like something that you do in your spare time and and it will just work and be passive income. You have to dedicate time to it.
5: Yeah, fantastic, fantastic points, Guy. I think from 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 all that you said, there's a common theme, which is you need to have a plan. You need ideally to have a structure in place. And from from what um, Han just said, you need to have the team in place, the right team in place. Because again, without all of those three things, it's basically you're just shooting in the dark. Um, so I think one thing I'd like to know, especially from a funding perspective, what I, I guess I already know this, but like the panelists would like to know is, the underwriting process, what actually goes into that process? What What is BOPOs, what is sellers really looking for? Either of you can go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can start us off. Um, so yeah, no, at, at a high level, right, so we do have minimum qualifying requirements, right? So um, we're not offering startup capital. Um, it's capital to businesses that um, are already performing, right, generating sales, revenue, um, so we have minimum six month requirement um and then um you know um, a minimum uh, monthly turnover amount which is again is is nominal uh, it's around ten thousand dollars a month in in turnover um, for one of our products and then for our kind of longer dated more you know um credit facility type product is it's twenty thousand dollars monthly turnover that's kind of you know the at, at a high level um. More specifically, and I think especially in this environment, um, you know, what's going to make you a good candidate for funding, um, and you know, for sellers funding versus maybe we're not the right fit, um, is I think good cash flow management for business, right? Um, either being profitable or if not profitable, a clear path towards profitability, right? Again, it's going back to all the points that we hit on. So businesses that are well managed, right, well structured. Have a plan in place. Um, you know, know where they want to be and how they're going to get there. Right, understanding that there are going to be kind of bumps in the road. We fully recognize that, but how are they anticipating for that? Right, and, and how are they going to adjust accordingly uh, their business? So I think those are the main things that we like to see um, from a business standpoint. Just that you know, there's their financials are in order. Um, they kind of have a very acute understanding um, of their business. Um, and so what I mean with that, especially in this environment, right? We understand that given all the macro conditions that are happening, um, there may be, as I said, a shift in demand, right? And so how are they reacting to that accordingly, right? Is it just status quo with all of their expenses or is a business gonna adjust their expenses accordingly, right, as a result of that? So being very dynamic and nimble, um, you know, and and having a pulse on the current environment and your business um, goes a long way
2: in in us being able to work with a founder. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, oh, cool. in our case, yeah. Um, I mean, our product is acquiring businesses, business acquisition financing, so it's kind of slightly different. We, we'll take a look a lot uh, into the buyer. As I said before, experience is super important. We also take a look at their financial um, condition. We, I mean, we need an investment of uh, up to 25% of our lending amount, mm-hmm. and that's important. Uh, and in general, I wouldn't advise anyone to buy a business if you don't have at least some level of personal financial stability, right? Because you go into, you're gonna you're gonna go through hard times and good times, and uh, and you need to be prepared for for the best and for the worst. Uh, that's one thing. And then in terms of the business itself, um, pretty much similar to what Leonardo said, uh, we're looking for businesses that are profitable. Uh, we like uh, businesses with a very good organic positioning. So we look at advertising costs as a percentage of sales, and we looked at uh, we try, we, we uh, like that ratio to be low. Um, we also look a lot into the products that they're selling. So for an Amazon brand, we would explore each of the, the SKUs that they're selling and how well positioned they are with, within the, the Amazon marketplace in terms of number of reviews, in terms of how long they've been selling, um, ranking, uh, compare those products to peers, that, that type of thing to make sure that you're acquiring a solid business. It doesn't have to be a super growth uh, brand. Uh, it, it, um, we financed businesses that were in decline, um, but at, at least some sort of solid organic positioning and, and good margins to repay our debt is, is going to be key for, for us. A track record of 24 months. Um, most of the categories are uh, eligible. We just don't finance supplements or, or jewelry. Uh, so in general we're pretty open in the terms of, of brands that we finance.
5: Fantastic, fantastic points, guys. Yeah, very, very important points. And I think uh, we've been talking about debt. So I think I would like to switch that conversation on to equity um, as I think what we're seeing is that we're seeing equities um, increasingly harder to come by um, in this market, if you, except if you're Bopos, so congratulations on the on the recent funding round. Um, but we're also seeing the introduction of a lot of debt players coming into the space. And maybe for Chris as an operator, mm-hmm. what do you find most helpful? Like where do you find most help or be with with these lenders that are coming into the space? Is it from an inventory standpoint? Is it from an asset-based standpoint? Where are you looking for if 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 you're an
0: operator, what what's
5: most helpful for, for you?
0: Yeah, good question. I mean, I look, I think a lot of equity that's that has been raised and still continues to be you know kind of raised is in platforms um, not so much in actual CPG companies there's just investors when they're looking at everything that they can invest in and they look at a biotech company that could give them 40 times return quickly or they look at CPG and go uh, so you're gonna buy inventory <laughs> and you're gonna grow but your growth rates like you yeah, know, I'm, I'm going to go invest in this vaccine. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, there's not, there's not traditionally, and what I'm really trying to drive to is, is the point that traditionally there's not been a lot of equity, um, players inside of CPG. And so, you know, cause on the investment banking side, we have a lot of guys coming to us asking to do capital raises. And I just, you know, flat out tell them it's not, that it's, it's just, it's not going to be there. Um, even when you're looking for 10, 20 million, um, even 30 million plus, et cetera. Um, yeah you can go through a process but you're it's going to be hard to find an equity player um you know that's willing to give uh, or find really at that point you're finding several um, to really come onto the cap table so anyways large point that's why you see a lot of debt providers in the space and i think you know what are we looking for um you know we we work with sellers funding so i can tell you what it's like to work with them um you know it's it's uh we're looking to use the capital for all working capital, basically. You know, we're we're wanting to put that money to work as soon as possible, and it's usually the two things I mentioned earlier. It's going to be in inventory, and it's going to be in um, it's also going to be in marketing. You know, with with a shift that's occurred with a lot of brand owners, and on our advisory side, we, we we've been seeing this more and more. I want to get into retail. Well, that's going to be you know sixty. You're going to have to put a deposit down, sixty days to arrive, maybe ninety to arrive. To a Nordstrom or a Bed Bath and Beyond or a Target, you're not getting paid, depending on the category, anywhere between 60 to 120 days after the product actually hits. You're gonna need a lot of finan- <laughs> financing to, to get you through that. You know, so that's that's starting to happen more as as folks are getting into retail. You have to be super. And I'm using the superlatives here for a reason. Like very, very well capitalized. When you decide to do something like that, so that's where someone like a seller's funding, you know, comes in, comes in, comes in handy. Is from a from a true kind of lender or a working capital provider. So
5: makes sense, makes a ton of sense. And I think I definitely agree with you on that point. From from a VC perspective, as the VC model in consumer is harder to execute. Angel investments and smaller checks, they, they make a lot of sense. But if you actually strip it down and you're looking for kind of like the single most valuable CPG brand, you're going down to not even like the likes of Unilever or, or P&G, because obviously they're a consolidation of different brands within them. But you're going back to maybe Hermes or Louis Vuitton. Yeah. And again, Hermes is, I think, over 100 years old. Yeah. These don't have that
0: time scale. So, yeah, um, so yeah it's, it's a very good point. I think too, and just very quickly, but you know, and, and I think Juan Juan can speak to this as well. Even look, even on the acquisition side, or you know, if they're providing working capital for a new acquisition, even VCs that you talk to in CPG, most of it's debt. I mean, most of what the raises that occurred even in the aggregators, 90% of it was was debt and very little was equity. Because again, they'd prefer to put it into something that they can see, you know, fast, they can get their money back from a from a interest perspective very quickly. That's the, really their return. So that's my last point.
5: <laughs> no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And it's, 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 it's good that you mentioned the aggregator. Um, I don't like to speak about aggregators um, because I don't like the model, but I just think it's an arbitrage opportunity um, and it's not really... Anyway, it's a business model, so it, it is what it is. But do you guys have any interesting takes on the aggregator model, especially what we're seeing now? And Chris, I I, I,
0: yeah, think I, a lot. Do <laughs> I don't want to sabotage, so I'll let I'll let uh, Leo or uh, Juan take a stab at
2: this. I mean, you know, we work with people who acquire businesses, and that's been happening for like I don't know, maybe two hundred years, three hundred years. It's it's been going on forever. Uh, and people who are rolling up businesses together, it, it's also something really old. I mean, uh, we've seen this long, long time ago. So it's not something that is new, and we're happy to partner with uh, with this type of people. Now, when MA is your core strategy, as opposed to managing the brands that you're acquiring or managing the businesses that you acquire, it ends up being something that is kind of super financial rather than operational, and where you end up losing kind of the north star of how to create value. So obviously, we're in the business of, of funding MA transactions, but we like to to partner with people who are here in the long run and who have a, a brand management strategy and, uh, and who have some sort of operational background. And, and I've, I've seen a lot of those, frankly. Uh, it's just that, I mean, two years ago, everybody was going to start an aggregator. It seemed so easy to clamp a number of businesses together and uh, just shoot checks everywhere. Uh, and I guess that the environment is much healthier now uh, in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I don't
1: have much more to add than what these guys just said. I I think it. I've been mostly just watching from the sidelines, personally. I think it's a super interesting phenomenon, right, Um, in this space, um, such a kind of a a nascent, you know, industry or or concept um, within the e-com space. But um, I keep thinking back, you know, to my old school banking days, you know, Valiant Pharmaceuticals, which was this massive pharmaceutical company who was just going around buying up revenue, right? So they were spending billions of dollars buying companies buying companies buying companies um but you know as chris and had said you know without actually taking a, a closer look into those companies that they're requiring and actually operating them, right um and improving efficiencies kind of using economies of scale and um yeah just uh, i'll let you guys look up the ticker of value but they're not they're not doing so well these days but um it just you know that, that's kind of what, what rings in, in my head so
0: um i think we're, yeah. we're in the sidelines from now yeah and i think they i think but both these guys nailed it. I mean, the the oper- operating is 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 so crucial, and you know, I think what they realized very quickly. Look, there's healthy aggregators out there. I mean, we, we speak to their um, to some of their 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 larger investors who have pretty strong positions inside of these aggregators. Um, there's some there's some healthy ones, and the healthy ones have focused on operational excellence, and you know, they're they're now starting to look at skew level EBITDA. They're starting to take a hard look at at retail and they're they're <laughs> realizing very, very quickly, if you want to run into retail, you better have a brand. You better have a product, a real product that can sell on a shelf and not Alibaba product and profit. And so, you know, I think they're I think a lot of guys right now in the aggregator space are taking a few steps back. Acquisitions have contracted. There's zero, zero question about that. So you know, I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing some of these business brokers stand up on a stage and tell us all that, that acquisitions are still occurring and like <laughs> like the party never stopped. Like it's the early 2021. Um, it has contracted, and they're focused on operational excellence for sure. And I'm sure, Juan, as Juan already said, uh, and I know he agrees, that's that's something I'm sure that you guys in your underwriting, when you're looking to to finance, you know, acquisition debt, um, how much confidence do I have in the operating in the operators of this business? Because that's how you—that's how you're going to make your money back. So, yeah, absolutely, guys,
5: I could not agree more. I think, um, at least for, for me, I come from a value based perspective, so everything is asking that question as to what is the true value here. I'm not really just um, swayed by a lot of the fancy fancy talk. Um, as I mentioned, I think it's just an arbitrage opportunity, um, and. This actually goes, you, you said something that was very, very interesting, Chris, just now in that it's not an Alibaba product. And it goes back to what you first said initially, which is about product roadmap, your product innovation. With the Alibaba, it's it's, it's fair enough if you started off that way, but you can't continue to, to go down that hole. You have to innovate with that product if you want to scale the business um, longer term. Um, the other thing I was going to ask um, was around... The ideal capital stack for CPG brands. Um, I'm guessing we have some operators, maybe in the in the in the um, in the audience. So for them, what is typically the the operator stack? Or I think Chris is left now, but yeah, um, Leo Juan, if with with the businesses that sh- that you see, um, what do you t- typically tend to see from the capital standpoint? What's their stack like?
1: Yeah, I'll say from our perspective, and as Chris had touched on earlier, I think it's rare in our space for you to see a lot of equity, right, sitting in, in the capital stack of these businesses. So that's um, very few and far between for us. I think the exception would be, and we're getting more and more traction with this nowadays, um, so more mid-market, right, kind of higher tier uh, brands um, that you know do have a relationship with institutional money, right, whether it be a VC or PEs. Um, that likes to see that sustainable growth, right? For these businesses, it's not as much looking at that 20, 30 X return, right? Um, but beyond that, it's it's really in the form of uh, of debt, right? And, and that can come in a number of different shapes and sizes, right? Um, How you access that debt. Um, typically, it starts with credit card debt, you know, potentially, and then you kind of graduate to, you know, a merchant cash advance or um, revenue-based financing, which obviously has become... Uh, so popular in common uh, within the e-com space, um, especially. And then for businesses that are fortunate enough to, you know, have access to it is, uh, you know, traditional lenders, right? So if you have a long-standing relationship with a high street bank, right, that's giving you a traditional term loan or revolving credit facility, um, that's typically, you know, what we come across on a daily basis. The most important thing for us, and we're fine with that. So, you know, from a service funding perspective, we're okay to sit alongside um, these other uh, creditors the biggest thing for us is just from a a debt serviceability standpoint, right? And and what that cash is being used for at the end of the day, right? Um, So if you're just taking on debt to take on debt, right, kind of with that concept of it's free money or it's just available money for me, um, that's what we try to avoid and and kind of steer clear of. But um, if it's used for a purpose, obviously there's intention behind it um, and it's done in a way that, you know, has a net benefit to the business, um, you know, that, that we're
2: happy to kind of, be a part of, of that capital stack as well. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I would say that uh, the ideal capital stack is the one that will um, help you achieve the, the objectives or the growth objectives that, uh, that you're after, right? So um, if you're operating an e-commerce business that is highly seasonal or at least partially seasonal, you have to make sure that you have funding in place for, for, uh, for inventory, for uh, maybe marketing throughout those um, high-season campaigns. And that's something. That's a mistake that we see a lot of times in our buyers, right? They they put together a capital stack for acquiring the business, so they use us, um, they take some equity, but then what's going to happen the day after, right? Uh, how are you going to fund, how are you going to go through the year and make sure that you grow the business by, I don't know, 20, 30% if that's your objective. You won't have the money um, and then you're going to have a hard time. So it could be either seller's funding or, or uh, any type of, of working capital solution that would be uh, ideal but uh, or, or it could be maybe that you, you leverage you under leverage the company and you have some spare equity that that could also be an option in the beginning if you think you won't be eligible for for sellers funding or, or other working capital platforms but that's something that you definitely need to address and uh, and, and figure out otherwise you're gonna have a hard time putting putting a capital stack in the last minute okay
5: fantastic yeah fantastic points guys um really really interesting um so I, I have a question on, for example, for you, Juan, in terms of, I know BOPOs do RBFs, I believe, and you also do um, acquisition financing. Is there a situation in which you provide um, both of those facilities to a an acquirer or a company?
2: Yeah, uh, we don't do, um, I don't think we're competing with sales funding or any of these platforms in the, in the revenue-based financing space or, or working capital financing space, because in the end, we're just not competitive there. We are, we're the way our loans are structured are f- mostly for acquisition financing. But in the context of funding an existing customer or someone who's acquiring a business, then it makes sense to top that up with a small working capital facility at least to cover the, the first uh, few months. And that's uh, that's how we work. Uh, in the end, over time, we've seen a lot of customers taking our working capital loans to um, yeah to cover those initial stages of the business and then moving on to to some other platform.
5: Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Well, guys, I think we're about to end. So if if possible, I would just love to to get your predictions for where we will be this time next year. So as I said, we're not economists here, so probably we may get this wrong, but um, okay, I've been told that we have um, another 11 minutes. So maybe I can ask one more question and then we can go into the predictions. Um, So now... I am an operator. Um, I am, but also I'm just speaking hypothetically here as well. And I want to raise capital. Going to investors, what should I do, guys? What should I do? How should I approach this?
1: Yeah, I think first and foremost is is knowing what your options are, right? Um, and I know we've kind of, you know, not to, to beat a dead horse or sound like a broken record, but um, just the forecasting, the planning, right? So I think that's first, first and foremost. So have a business plan in place, um, understand where you want to take that business and what it's going to require, right? Um, just have that in, in very high detail outlined um, when you're having these conversations with investors, again, whether it be debt or equity. Um, and... Have as many conversations as you you can possibly have is is my, I think, uh, main recommendation, right? Don't go with the first offer that's presented to you, um, even if it's seller's funding, but uh, it's, uh, you know, just have the conversations out there because your specific need um, may be a better fit for, you know, a certain partner, growth partner versus someone else's specific need, right? So I think um, first and foremost is having a clear idea of what your ask is, right? So I need X amount over this time period, Right. And have that match exactly and just see, you know, which solution is presented to you that you know best fits what that ask is. Um yeah, I think that
2: would be my uh, my my main recommendation. Fantastic. and hon, huh, you can yeah, finish it off for us, please. Yeah, no, I think you're not an it. In the end, uh you have to have a clear idea of what you want, uh and explore as many options, put them side by side and see what, what best fits your your needs. Um, and then sometimes you, you will have to build a custom solution out of, out of different platforms, right? You will need some equity and then some acquisition financing, then working capital financing. You put it all together and you build something that, that really works for you and, and gets tailored for you.
5: So fantastic, guys! I think yeah, this has been extremely insightful. Um, thank you so much to our panelists, Juan, Chris, Leo. Um, thank you guys so much for just taking the time to to to, to join us. Um, yeah, please, guys, get in touch with Popos, get in touch with Sellers, um, get in touch with Southcore, get in touch with Octillion, and yeah, hopefully we uh, we keep pushing the the e commerce revolution. So thank you guys, and yeah, have a good one. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
4: Thanks for listening to this episode of 2 X Ecommerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2x e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, Ecommerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2 X Ecommerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app.